how to make a great podcast and predicting 2020 on this week's Always Listening. Welcome to Always Listening. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. And I'm Jay, a.k.a. Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> Is it yet another snow day there in, in lovely New England? Three. We've had three. Now, today's today's is the first that I can say it's quote-unquote warranted, because uh, today's an ice storm. Uh, so for those who don't, I, I mean, I imagine most of the country knows what what the ice storms are but today it's nothing but freezing rain and it's uh and that is when it it literally just rains but as soon as the water touches any surface it immediately turns to ice so today's snow day completely 100% warranted there's no way you could have sent the kids to school in conditions like this however the two previous snow days uh could have just been 2 hour delays uh, I don't know what information they thought they had when they canceled school on those particular days at 5 a.m., but less than two inches of snow, roads completely cleared by 10 a.m. I mean, beyond ridiculous. It's like, oh, my God, we live in New England. Joel, I know you live in Louisiana, so perhaps, you know, as soon as you see a snowflake, oh, God, we got to shut down the state. We live in Connecticut. Well, I mean, like, we nobody... see this all the time. Yeah. So, so the the big thing for us is that there none of the municipalities have salt or salt trucks at, at ready hand. Nobody's got snow plows, and no one has snow chains. So, if you have any kind of accumulation at all. Uh, the road conditions do genuinely become dangerous very quickly. And also the drivers aren't familiar with how to conduct themselves on, on an icy or a snowy road. So yeah, it absolutely is a hazard here very, very quickly. I will say alternatively, uh, this year we have not had any snow days so far. We haven't had any bad weather days in fact. And because of that, my kids unfortunately are getting out in a day early for Christmas break. They were supposed to get out on Friday. They're actually going to be out on Thursday. So I got to figure out what to do with them one day early and uh, for one day longer. You know, that, that Christmas break just seems like when I was a kid, I wanted it to be like in college. In college, you effectively get a whole month off, right, right. Uh, in between the semesters. I wanted it to be like that, and I thought, well, why don't we just get the month of December off? Nobody does anything anyway. Man, as a parent, I'm like, why can't these kids go back to school a little sooner? I'll send you your toys, too. It's fine. Just go back. Just... I mean, my children are a little bit older oh, now, Jay. but they are sucking the Wi-Fi like crazy. <laughs> They're just sucking it down like it's liquid candy. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, let's get into it this week. Let's tell people uh, we've got some good news uh, this week, some some uh, aid and help for podcasters trying to improve their show, as well as uh, some predictions, perhaps, for the upcoming year. Uh, as you're listening to this, 2019 is gone. It is so great. 2020 seems like such a futuristic time, doesn't it, Jay? It still seems. I wonder how long that's going to take for me to get used to it being the 20s. Doesn't Buck Rogers show up at some point? Aren't we aren't we near the time I mean, when already, Buck Rogers is around? I thought that was like the twenty third century or something. But but oh, you've maybe. got maybe that's maybe that's Duck Dodgers, the the That's Daffy the twenty fourth and know. a half. 
<laughs> there you go, the 24th and a half century. And I mean, we are ahead of Blade Runner now. We are truly in the future. You know, I grew up mm. thinking about, I remember Terminator. watching Escape from New York. Uh, Escape from New York was set in 1999. You know, the hellscape ah, yes. that was 1999 when, when New York had become a prison. But Blade Runner was set in the far-flung future of 2019. November 2019 is when, uh, uh, you know, Roy Batty kills himself at the end. There's the tears in the rain thing and everything. Holy crap, man. Here we are. There's no flying cars. But no. at the same time, and and look, you guys know, you've heard me. I think there's lots of things that are wrong about society right now, and I'm always stressed out for one reason or another. But it is there are a lot of really cool things happening, too. And in particular, Jay, I'm excited as we move into this new year that you and I are a part of this medium that I am still in love with. Podcasting is amazing. It's an opportunity for diverse voices to be shared, for interesting, unique stories that have never been told before to be told, and for creatives to have a fresh palette, you know, to really experience something. Um, the first story that we want to bring you today is from Jacobs Media, and it's all about how to make those shows better. This is 10 Keys to Producing an Award-Winning Podcast. I mean, this is, uh, you know, we, we've talked about Jacobs Media before, but just as a refresher, uh, they are a radio-specifically consulting group. They have worked hand-in-hand uh, -hand for the last three years with podcast movement, creating the bot the broadcasters uh, and podcasters track. I, th I forget the exact wording of what their tracks are, but so they've been heavily involved in podcasting over the last few years. Uh, they've been working with podcast movement to try and bring broadcasters to podcasters and vice versa. And this particular uh, blog post is a little bit older. This is one of those that we've been saving for exactly this time of year, Joel, uh, where we can uh, help bring you some great insights into how to create better content. And this particular blog post is about a show that was created by a broadcaster in the state of Massachusetts around the legalization of marijuana and everything that went into it. And they decided that the best way for them to go about creating the, the news story, the best way to cover the story was via a podcast. And so while a lot of these points that were brought up in this blog post are a little bit more relevant to broadcasters, there's a lot of things that podcasters can take out of it as well to learn how to create better content, how to better serve their audience. Well, that's one thing you always have to remember when you're hearing or reading from Jacobs Media. They are radio guys. They say it at the top of this article. We're radio guys. You know, we, we come from radio. And so that's our background. That's their bias. But as long as you know where it's coming from, it's the same thing when you get information from Spotify, Jay. Spotify has a bias and an agenda, a corporate leaning and, and thought and belief about our industry specifically and media at large. And so when you get information from Spotify, you have to take that bias into account too. Um, I love, though, the idea, first of all, the, the overarching idea that they created this contest for Cox Media you know, and, and set, set them open and said, Hey, what, what are the shows that you can create? And then they're highlighting a few different shows in particular, the one that you mentioned, the mass marijuana. Um, but the idea that they would let, and this is what I keep telling my friends in radio, the people that I know in radio, I'm like, you need to go to your GM and you need your GM to say, we don't have the budget for a million podcasts, 
but we should inspire internal competition to decide which podcasts we do budget for. And you have to be budgeting for some podcasts if you're a media company, particularly if you're in the broadcast radio industry. Uh, you got to be headed in that direction. And the way to do that is to go to your creatives and say, what are your ideas? What are the things that you know you could never do on radio? What are the things that you long to do in your four-hour shift where we're shoving down the latest you know, Kenny Chesney song or whatever? Um, what is it that you have a passion for that we could bring you resources to help make happen? And then you pay those people to do that, but you own the content. That's exactly what these companies, this company has done. And now they've got some award-winning podcasts to show for it. What was special? How did, how did uh, Dalton Maine, the creator behind Mass Marijuana, how did he go about making this happen? Well, these are the 10 things that, these are the 10 things that really drove the creation of this particular podcast. And again, you can take these and apply them to your particular podcast at any particular point in time. Uh, the first thing was timeliness. Obviously, since we're talking about the legalization of marijuana, that is something that is highly relevant, which, by the way, is point number two. Uh, that's something that is affecting a lot of different people uh, in a lot of different states. It is polarizing, which is obviously a great topic to get into on any type of podcast. When you can have a disagreement of any sort on your podcast, that conflict leads to much more attention, much more interest in what you're doing. The third thing is research. Uh, this particular um, producer knew very little about the marijuana industry, so he had to do a ton of research into what was going on in the marijuana industry, uh, how these farms were were being created, uh, where the marijuana was coming from, who's behind the marijuana industry, all of that. Rich detail, again, this is something that lends itself more to podcasting than broadcasting. In broadcasting, you're living and dying by a rating system that is covering the most amount of people within a five-minute period uh, within any given quarter hour. Podcasting gives you the ability to take five minutes to fully explain all of the minute details, all of the minutiae that might have to be involved in understanding a story like this and understanding why marijuana is being legalized now versus when Joel and I were kids and, you know, pot <laughs> is the thing that everyone sort of laughed about. But you know, if you got caught with pot, I mean, you could find yourself in prison for a number of years. And this is obviously something I'm sure Mass Marijuana will get into and some other podcasts that will be created is as marijuana gets legalized, what happens to that prison system? Because there are a number of people that are currently in prison for marijuana distribution and, and what and and so forth. And now I'm getting off topic. Uh, good writing. Uh, this is something that we've seen from a lot of the public radio podcasts in particular is when you're doing research is the writing behind it. I believe is it Roman Mars? Someone at one of the podcasting conferences, whether it was Roman Mars or Alex Blumberg, talked about the process that went into creating an episode. And they it sort of started at the beginning of the month with a rough draft that then went through the team and was edited. And then a second draft was created. And then elements were added. Interviews were conducted. A third draft was created. It ultimately came down to like four different drafts by the end of the month when the episode was actually created that came from the writing process. So 
something, I mean, you and I do not write our podcast. We sort of create an outline and, and fly off the cuff. And, and in some ways that is good. And other ways there are, I mean, there are pros and cons to that, but I think if you're creating a podcast like this one, you definitely not like the one that we're doing, but the one that mass marijuana produced, you definitely need writing in there. Yes. No, it's interesting to me though, Jay. And I want it, I want to note it for our listeners that good writing and then it's follow-up storytelling. Those are number five and six on the list of why this show has become a success. We talk a lot about, you know, do good work and the, and the good work will stand on its own. We've talked before about the cream will rise to the top. That is not always true. And there are a million stories of, brilliance that toils away in obscurity, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, creatively, creatively, but also academically and, and in, in industry-wise, there are better ideas sometimes that the market overlooks or, or that lose. I think about, okay, let's take it back to technology for a second. Betamax versus VHS. <laughs> right. Betamax was a better technology in a lot of ways, but it didn't win. It was a better idea in some ways. VHS had a few advantages, and in the end, VHS won that uh, format war. Same thing happened a few years later with HD DVD and Blu-ray. In many ways, HD DVD had lots of advantages. Blu-ray ended up winning over. Why? I, it's sort of a twist of fate. They put it in the PlayStation, basically, is what it amounted to, and that PlayStation was successful. So my point is this. Timeliness and relevance, those are number one and number two and why this is a success, right? You have to be in the right place at the right time to get a hit. Now, once you're in the right place at the right time, you also have to be the right person. It has to be the right product, right? You have to have done the good writing, the the research, et cetera, et cetera, the storytelling, all these things that are going to go below. But first and foremost, there's luck. There's luck involved, folks. It's about being and timing. You know, you can work hard in obscurity for 10 years and then you have to hit on the right idea. It's why I don't feel bad that I started the Apple Arcade podcast that I did a few months ago, even though it's now stalled from my own, I, I don't have enough time to devote to playing the games actually, but that was a good idea and it was at the right time and it was a hot, it was like, boy, if I could do this and I could make this happen, this could be a very successful product. It may be something that I revisit anyway because of the fact that I was there in a timely fashion. I'm going to look at the market and see whether there's still relevance now that I've been off the boat for a couple of months. Anyway, I, I, I wanted to point that out. I wanted people to really pay attention to the fact that good writing and storytelling come in the middle of the pack, not at the top. Sustainability is number seven. And in this particular case, Mass Marijuana was a short run series that ran six episodes long. Uh, they have not created new episodes, obviously, uh, but when this particular article was written, which I believe was at the beginning of the year, I'm not, I don't remember. We could obviously look at the timestamp. They could have created more episodes and they, they have not chosen to do so. Uh, the last episode was released on September 19th of 2018. Uh, however, in the Apple podcast store, where you can find that there is not a discoverability problem, you can see listeners also subscribe to in the Weeds with Jimmy Young, The Marijuana Times, Marijuana Today Story Hour, Green Rush Podcast, Weed Week, New England's Unsolved, uh, which is also produced by Boston 25 News, Marijuana Today Daily. So there is 
no shortage of marijuana-related uh, podcasts in the podcast ecosphere. Uh, strategic and savvy promotion. Now, this is one that, again, if you're an independent podcaster, is going to be a little bit more difficult for you to pull off. This was produced by Boston 25 News, which is a television uh, station uh, where they can do a story on marijuana and promote the podcast that covers it much more in depth than that one updated story on the news, which probably lasted two, three minutes max. Um, it might even only be a mention. <laughs> it might even be shorter yeah. than that. So here's an example of how you as an independent podcaster can do some of this, even though you don't have a, a media organization that's also writing stories uh, or producing content about the marijuana industry that you can tag your promo on like like Mass Marijuana did. Uh, I've got a client who works in um, uh, hiring, uh, you know, uh, assessments and um, advising companies on how to hire and how not to hire. And when he's promoting his show – we launch the show, and that episode goes live to subscribers, and that is the first stage of promotion. People who are already in my community get it. Now, the second thing that he does is promotes it the next day and the third day after the you know the second day after it's been released on his social media channels. He he has a heavy push on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and all the places that he works there. And so that audience sees the post and is reminded there's a new episode and what the episode is about. Maybe you get a blurb of it or a audiogram, et cetera, et cetera. And then on the Friday after release. So a couple of days after release now, he puts it out to his newsletter. And it's a full blog post, effectively, in an email newsletter with an embedded link. So you can go straight to it and play the episode right away. And those people may not even realize that they're listening to a podcast. But they get content from him on a regular basis through their email. And they know that on Fridays, every couple of weeks, they're going to get this new audio thing from him that is great content that... Uh, they can, um, you know, take in the information that he's trying to give them in a different way. And he has bumps in every episode that show there are different audiences for those things and different traffic coming from each one of those areas. So my point is, it's not, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Build a plan out. See where all your, your channels are that your audience lives. You have a Facebook following. You have a Twitter following. It may be small, but they are mighty, <laughs> right? <laughs> Or they can be. Exactly. It's it's the whole concept if you have if you have a friend who has a friend who has a friend who has a friend who has a friend. You know, your one friend has ten friends and then those ten friends tell ten friends and then those ten friends tell ten you can see the pyramid builds out extraordinarily uh, as the uh, as the chain goes on. Uh the last two items, uh go with what you know, obviously as a news organization uh, they've done a ton of research into all of these particular stories. They have a team that's doing research. Uh, Dalton here, who was the producer, he obviously had to learn a lot about this particular story and stay with it. They they picked a very short episode release in six, uh, but obviously if they wanted to continue on, there's plenty of things that they could still do, but they worked with a workable number that worked not only for them, but I'm also sure... Uh, because Dalton was an employee of the news organization, had other responsibilities, would also work for his bosses. The last item, which is a bonus item, is don't reinvent the wheel. And that honestly is something that I think happens a lot in podcasting. A lot of people think, oh, I got to do something 
extremely unique. I got to be something completely different. And there's a little bit of truth in that, but it's not a hundred. It shouldn't be something that stops you. It shouldn't, if you're doing something that if you're doing something that you may have heard on the radio before, or if you're creating a format that you are copying from somebody else, don't be afraid of that. Uh, don't, don't sit and have that. Ah, it's not unique enough. I, I can't do this. As, as Joel said, there's plenty of video game podcasts that are out there. Uh, it's about the content. It's about the way that you perform it and you can evolve the way that you perform your show as you go through time. So don't be too afraid about your uniqueness or your lack of uniqueness because you can make your show as unique as you want it as you grow. Uh, I was just trying to look into our own archives back when we were pod on pod. Yeah, here it is. Uh, it was, looks like episode 14, maybe. I don't know if that's right. Uh, pod on pod on the Monat Dixon line. Yeah, it was episode 14, in fact, right after we started. So this is a great example of this, not reinventing the wheel. Monat and Dixon, Jane Dixon and Donald Monat, they are two well-seasoned writers and performers, but newbies to the world of podcasting. That's how they describe themselves. This was several years ago now. I don't think the, the podcast has continued. I'm not positive uh, whether both of them are still in good health. They had recently moved the last time that I spoke with them. They had moved uh, homes and studios, and they were trying to get back into it. But what they did, they got the right to productions that the two of them had done. They did radio broadcasts and some television plays as well for the BBC worldwide years and years ago, decades ago in the 60s and 70s, and I think maybe into the 80s as well. And they got the rights to a bunch of this. They got access to a bunch of this material that they had created, plays they had written, skits they had they had written, et cetera, et cetera. And would present them on their podcast with some context and color and commentary from the two of them. Uh, this is a married couple years on now at the end of their careers describing, you know, their start in audio. Um, it was really, really cool. And again, they didn't have to create that much new content for this as well. And yet it lives there in a new format and, and a new medium where people might not have ever, uh, you know, discovered it before. So, um, Anyway, I it's this is it. This is the way to go, man. I, I think that if you've got some old content, check it out and and put it into podcast format. Yeah, absolutely. So that's how broadcasters do it, Joel. The, what do podcasters do? <laughs> I'm glad you asked because Wondery uh, gave a wonderful interview to the Business Insider, and we have all of these links, as always, in our show notes, uh, talking about what their special formula is in creating podcast hits. Wondery recently had, I think they had like seven out of ten, or it was a, a huge number of the top podcasts of 2019 in the Apple podcast chart, uh, which is absolutely extraordinary uh, for the Wondery company. Uh, their first thing that they mention here in terms of their special formula is emotional storytelling is one of the most important aspects of a podcast. And that goes back to what I was saying before about conflict. Obviously, with conflict, you're going to hear emotion. You're going to elicit emotion out of your audience. Uh, I've often talked about what delineates great content, truly great content from just very good content are the three E's. It's entertaining it's educational, and it elicits an emotion from the audience member. And that emotion could be anything from laughter 
It can be crying. It can be passion. It can be anger. Whatever that emotion is, your podcast has to have some sort of emotional impact on your listener because that's ultimately what brings forth the engagement from your audience. Uh, absolutely. If you don't move the emotional meter, then what the heck is any? I mean, you said earlier, Jay, there's a million video game podcasts and there are, I don't listen to a million of them. I listen to a couple of them. There are a million tech podcasts. I don't listen to a million of them. I listen to a couple of them. Why? Why do I listen to the shows that I listen to? The content is good. Yes. But the real reason that I keep coming back week after week to the shows that I like the most, the shows that I listen to the most, the shows that I jump to listen to when they become available. The reason is because those shows, those hosts have created an emotional attachment with me. They've, we've formed a bond somehow through their show. The next thing Wondery has done to a great success is partnerships. Partnerships help a podcast thrive. Now we're not saying that every podcast produced has to have some sort of partnership. And obviously Wondery has been in a wonderful position where a lot of the people that founded the company came from former broadcast careers so they had partnerships that they could easily forge and obviously now i mean we know of their success so success only leads to more success with bigger brands and corporations so they've formed partnerships with the la times bloomberg the boston globe the athletic and they have created plenty of stories uh through partnerships but that doesn't mean you can't create partnerships as well with other podcasters that are out there. Uh, I will tell you at, you know, one of the key things that has helped the Locked On Podcast Network thrive is cross-promotion and not just cross-promotion like go listen to this show. No, episodes that are shared by multiple podcasts, that is something that is key to any podcast survival. So, Partnerships is a is a big deal in podcasting, and you can create easy partnerships. There are there are millions of tech podcasts. There are millions of video game podcasts. Go form a partnership with one. If you're not in that particular space, but you're talking about a story that happens to be in that particular space, I guarantee there's a podcaster that covers that that would love to be a guest on your show. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and guesting is one of the easiest ways that we can can you know grow our community, grow our own audience, but help other podcasters grow as well. But Jay, it's not just about that. I think it's being active in Facebook groups. I think it's mm-hmm. it's 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 trying to contribute when you can to the general knowledge. Uh, but but then you draw from that well as well, right? The only way that you can. Um, gain something from a community is if you're willing to give to it as well. I, I think otherwise you come off as scammy and people stop responding to your posts. They they see the guy that always asks the same sort of question every week and never has anything to offer otherwise. Now, earlier we mentioned the thing about writing. Podcast production time at Wondery can range from less than two months to almost a year. And again, <sighs> we're not saying that you have to spend that much time on it, but understand Wondery is, and Wondery creates hit podcasts. So they spend as much time as they possibly can to create a great piece of audio for your earbuds. Uh, yes. And, and again, my takeaway there or my suggestion for, um, you know, indie podcasters, 
people like us that are just doing their show on their own, maybe with a couple of co-hosts, but not a team, so to speak. There's nothing wrong with starting quickly, right? We talk a lot about stop putting it off, just get out there and, and put your first bad content out, et cetera, et cetera. But there's also nothing wrong with having a long game plan. If this is a hobby that you truly plan to be in for the long haul, well, then it'll still be here in two months, in three months, in six months, in a year, right? The market is not going anywhere. The audience is not going anywhere. We talked about timeliness and relevance at the beginning. If you find that the thing that you're passionate about or the thing that you have to offer or your skills currently, what you're able to achieve, aren't going to bring you the final product that you want, then don't rush it. Let it percolate. Continue to create those raw materials, those work parts, right? And then you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Later, you've sort of got some things to build from and craft the story the way that you want to down the road. Anyway, that that's my takeaway there is like you can do this too. You don't have to take 15 months, but you could. You absolutely could. So, Joel, that's the way a big corporate – you know, I, 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 is Wondery a corporate podcaster? I don't know. Let's just say they're absolutely a, corporate. We'll, I mean, we'll call them money. a we'll call them a bigger podcast organization. Does it? But we talk to independent podcasters, Joel. How do independent podcasters do it, <laughs> Joel? So glad you asked once again, because we have this wonderful article from Grazia Daily, um, and unfortunately, I'm unaware of this particular publication. It's based in the UK, and they spoke with five women creators about what their success has been in creating podcasts. Now, um, they spoke with a number of women uh, who have corporate backgrounds. Uh, Maria Williams, uh, she is Bauer Media's podcast editor. She had experience working for the BBC. Uh, and she mentions authenticity, personality, and a third element in storytelling. Uh, these are three key, key components to any podcast. And again, sort of all related to the two previous articles that we've mentioned here with authenticity. Uh, you, ha you have to be real. You have to have a genuine passion about what you're talking about because that passion elicits that emotion and creates that emotional bond with your audience that we've been talking about. Yes. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. This is a really interesting article. There's one more thing I want to draw attention to from this article, Jay. And by the way, of course, all of these articles that we mentioned are in the show notes uh, right at the top. And this is linked. So they've, they've got uh, backing for this. Uh, Grazia says that 7.1 million people in the UK listen to podcasts weekly. Again, that's not a statistic that I had heard. We don't get a lot of statistics on, on UK listening. We hear a lot about uh, the United States, of course, obviously. So it's interesting to hear how they're growing. It's one in eight people in the UK, um, which it, to my mind puts it about on par, actually, with the American penetration. Yeah. I mean, it's not maybe apples to apples, but it's close, basically, in the the amount of the, the population that is that is listening. Um so what were these ladies' takeaways on what they needed to get their shows launched? How, how did they uh, get started successfully? Well, I mentioned those three keys there from Maria, but there are other women that are in this particular uh, article, including Alice Levine of My Dad Wrote a Porno, uh, which has been <laughs> this is a, good show. a very popular podcast. Um, and she mentions that 
they still like to record around the kitchen table, uh, you know, mm. sticking to those, you know, humble roots of, of starting a podcast. You know, the, the joke of uh, mom's basement um, uh, is also one that still resonates across the podcasting landscape. There, it is very easy. I'm sitting here with a USB connected microphone to a laptop. I'm not in an elaborate studio and, and my audio still sounds pretty good. Joel does a great job connecting my audio and his audio and creating something that sounds good for everybody to hear. And you don't need to be in a top of the line studio. You don't need to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars getting the best sound. You just need to sound professional and it's very easy to do and it's fairly inexpensive. Well, honestly, it's not even about professional Jay. It's about leg uh, not legible. That's, that's reading audible. You know, it's about uh, perceptible. Um, you you want to be able to uh, individualize the words and then uh, comprehend their meaning. <laughs> this is uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, Apple TV shows. Uh, one of the ones that I have a real problem with is C. I like the show in general, but I have to keep the captions on the whole time because I feel like everybody's kind of grunting and mumbling and whispering, and and I can't. I don't know what they're saying unless I'm watching captions. Uh, Madeline Spencer, who is the creator of the podcast, beauty, full lives, beauty, full lives, three words there. It's rather creative. Um, so clever mentions that the best podcasts make you feel like you're listening in on someone's conversation, like a peek behind the curtain. And I absolutely a hundred percent agree. I think some of the greatest compliments that you can get from people that listen to your podcast are one, I felt like I was at the bar and I was just eavesdropping in on somebody else's conversation, but I felt like I was part of the conversation at the same time. And two, I could care less about the particular topic that you were talking about. This was actually a compliment that was given to uh, the Fantasy Focus podcast once by a radio broadcaster. Uh, we were sharing the studio and he was waiting to get in to the studio while the Fantasy Focus was finishing. And he walked in and, and he, he told... Nate and Matthew and myself, he's like, listen, I could care less about fantasy football. I don't, I don't play it. I don't care about it, but I can listen to this show all day long. That is the greatest compliment you could ever get for a podcast because it doesn't matter what you're talking about, but you're entertaining, you're educating, and you're emotional enough to elicit that type of response from your audience. That's when you know you have something great on your hands. Here's my example of that. I have listened to for years the Accidental Tech Podcast with uh, Marco Arma and John Syracuse and Casey Liss. It's a, a Apple-focused tech show. Uh, for the entire time that that podcast has been in existence, John Syracuse has had an aged Mac Pro. He's got the old cheese grater style. He skipped the trash can, the one that they did in 2013 or whatever, and he's been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for a new Pro desktop. So the new Mac Pro has finally launched. And today, this morning, one of the first things that I saw, I jumped on Twitter and John Syracuse had tweeted the image of his UPS notification that it was out for delivery, like the, the Mac Pro out for delivery. And you see the little transit bar or whatever. And I was so excited for him. I retweeted it. Why? It's like, what do I care about a guy spending 15 grand on a computer <laughs> that I'm never going to touch? I don't know, John. He's never going to let me borrow that. I'm never going to get a project off of his computer. He's not even a developer 
in a way that affects like I don't work on any software that John builds even though he is actually a developer unlike Marco Armit Marco Armit gets a new Mac Pro that means I'm going to get overcast faster right mm. <laughs> um but still I was excited for him because we've developed that emotional bond because he has brought me in to his life and his story um because they do have that feeling of just some friends sitting around the table talking even though they're you know miles and miles apart recording remotely I feel like I know John and I am excited for him today to open that box there are some other points in this particular article I highly recommend that you go and read it for yourself but the last point in the article is something that Dave Jackson has said numerous, numerous times, be where your audience is. You want to have the, you want to have the widest distribution of your podcast possible so that you can be where your audience is. And then when you do find that audience, not only do you want to be there with your podcast, you want to be there with your community, create that community, interact with that community, do more than just giving them the podcast. You want to be one of them in that community. And that's where you're going to find great success. Because again, the more emotional bonds that you can build with your audience, the more they're likely to go and talk about their emotional bonds with this particular podcast and the more they're going to tell their friends about it and then those friends are going to tell other friends and it's going to continue on and on and on just like that you're absolutely right jay you're absolutely right here's something i want to tell you about friends the sponsor for this episode and every episode throughout the end of the year of all of listening is the Sleep With Me podcast, uh, brought to you by Andrew Ackerman, of course. Uh, Drew doesn't want me to talk about Sleep With Me, though. He doesn't want to talk to, uh, about him, although those links are in the show notes as well. Drew wants me to tell you about Pogs. The this is the greatest mistake Drew has ever made. <laughs> of Pogs. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. You can you can find more about this fad from the 90s. Uh, but this was a big part of my childhood. It absolutely was. So in honor of the fact that we are upon the holiday season uh, and the fact that I've been watching uh, the old Simpsons episodes on disney plus our pog of the day is santa's little helper uh the the uh replacement dog uh the greyhound that becomes a member of the simpsons family actually in the pilot episode did yes. you ever watch any of the old um tracy ullman show simpsons shorts from back in the day uh i didn't watch them religiously i i was never really a religious simpson watcher i watched it for quite some time and then i fell off but i did go and see the movie and Essentially, I think when I saw the movie, I, my my viewing of The Simpsons fell off after that. But, um, yeah, I've seen I have seen some of the original Tracy Ullman show Simpsons. Yeah, it's it's way different in tone in some ways, uh, and they're much closer to you know Matt Groening's uh, From Hell cartoons that they originated from uh, and and comic strips, but. Uh, interesting that right out of the gate, the Simpsons did a holiday special. I, I had yep. kind of forgotten about that. I knew that, obviously, but you go back and watch it, and uh, yeah, they get Santa's little helper at the dog track because Homer loses his Christmas bonus, and Marge has to spend all the saved Christmas money on uh, getting rid of Bart's tattoo, which he uh, got <laughs> M.O. No, he got Moth, right? He was getting Mother it's on his arm, and he got all the way to Moth. Yeah. Oh, man. Um. Anyway, Pogs, folks. Pogs are milk caps. They come from Hawaii and, and California, and they spread across uh, the United States, especially in the 90s. It was a big fad, and uh, you can see an example of that in the show notes. Uh, Santa's a little helper from The Simpsons. Thank you, Drew, for sponsoring the show and uh, for reminding me 
of my love of pogs for this uh, this little season here. Jay, it's time to make some predictions, sort of. By the way, I <laughs> I hate prediction articles. I think that they're lazy, and no one ever holds anyone accountable for what they quote-unquote predict. Uh, I, of course, participated in one with the podcast business journal. Uh, it may or may not have been published by the time you're hearing this particular <laughs> episode. Um, but our, our good friends over there at Pacific Content, I love calling them our good friends. They have no clue who the heck we are. They might they might know who, who we are, I, but I highly doubt it. Uh, they, they talked to a number of different people across the community. The one thing I will say about prediction articles is noting what is said by whom. Because some mm. of these people will say something and then you'll be like, okay, well, yeah, everyone's been saying that. And then you'll see who that person is and and where they're from. So you and I can't play this game, Joel, because you obviously are looking at the notes. However, let's play this game with our audience, all right? So okay. this particular prediction says monetization opportunities for podcasters will continue to broaden in 2020, particularly for smaller podcasters in the ecosystem who don't necessarily monetize today. It's possible that the $863.4 million projection for podcast advertising revenue in the U.S. from IAB and PWC will appear conservative in hindsight. Okay, lots of people have predicted that, Joel. I mean, lots and lots of people, right? But who in particular is attributed to this quote, Joel. I was surprised. If I if I wasn't looking at the notes, I would have guessed it was somebody from Spotify, honestly, because that sounds to me like anchors may be ready to start their monetization scheme now within the the belly of of Spotify and they're going to start something for podcasters at large. No, it's coming from Zach Renault Whedon, the founder and head of product for Google Podcasts. Joel <laughs> When, a, when the man who is the founder and head of Google Podcasts says monetization opportunities for podcasters will continue to broaden in 2020, does Google currently have monetization solutions, Joel? There's no AdSense for podcasts yeah, yet. My guess is <laughs> when, when the founder and head of product says something like that, something like that is coming to his particular product. Uh, mm. So that is uh, that is one that uh, we will definitely keep an eye on in 2020. Uh, just to buoy that particular comment, uh, a reporter from Digiday, Max Williams, says, Google will elbow its way into audio advertising. Buoyed by what they learned from audio news delivered via Assistant, Google will start to make its way into this space. <laughs> hmm. You think so, Max? You might want to go yeah, talk to... It seems like Max may have heard that quote from Zach. <laughs> you might want to go talk to Zach a little bit more. Um, this is an interesting one. <clears throat> uh, this is, uh, this is very interesting because laws are changing in the world, Joel. Uh, and this quote, uh, some smart antitrust lawyer in the U S Canada or EU will start to look at whether market power is being abused in the podcast industry. Hmm. Hmm. Now, again, if I hadn't been looking at the name, I would have told you who it's not from. That's not from anybody at Apple. It's no. not from anybody at Spotify or at no. Google. No, no. <laughs> uh, it's probably not also from anybody with scripts, as we mentioned last week. Right. 
there's sort of a unified pillar of audio uh, uh, creation and distribution. Uh, and, of course, we're right. This comes from one of the very smaller players in the space, or at least the podcast space specifically, Pandora. Lindsay Bowen, the VP of Podcasts and Entertainment Content Partnerships for Pandora. Um, <laughs> it would clearly benefit Pandora Correct. if, a, if a, an entity came in and began to wave a stick at some of those bigger players because right now they have a small and shrinking user base and, and hold on this medium especially. I think it's uh, I think it's fascinating and eye-opening. Again, when you see the prediction and then you see who says it and why they might have said it, um, that's the sort of thing that goes, oh, that is definitely something I'm going to be watching for in 2020 because that's not so much a prediction as much as it's a comment of what is to come. So the the thing that strikes me there is that number the projection from uh iab uh for advertising revenue 863.4 million and and of course zach from google said that maybe that's going to appear conservative in hindsight as we approach and as we pass a billion dollars as an industry you're going to see lots of new people showing interest i mean i know that it feels like this past year has been all about you know, giant players. Come. I mean, our show, our version of this show, Jay, started last year with Spotify, you know, buy, buying their way in. That is just the first salvo. And I think we said that. And there have been several other shoes that have fallen over the course of this year, but it's not over. The The acknowledgement of the podcast space as one of media's new frontiers is not done for the big business uh, money. Uh, Pacific Content uh, gave their take on uh, on a number of different topics, and, and this one in particular uh, struck me. If companies with massive reach and powerful ad-targeting targeting platforms like Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, or Twitter begin seriously entering the audio space, it will be the catalyst for true hockey stick growth of new listeners, major advertising revenue growth for the industry, and huge new opportunities to capture time and attention by these platforms. And we mentioned, uh, I don't remember if it was last week or a couple episodes ago, about Facebook's interest in the audio space. Google, we've we've been mentioning Zach's comment there. I think this is 100%, again, this isn't a prediction. This is a comment on what is to come. Uh, and it is 100% true. I believe that there is an audience that can be tapped into on these particular platforms that isn't currently being tapped into to the extent that it can be. And Facebook is the one that I'm looking at in particular that I think we could see that ginormous spike in, in listens from an audience that has no idea what a podcast is. Um. I, I'm I'm with these. First of all, the whole set of predictions is interesting. Go check the article in the the uh, link. Steve Pratt, twenty podcast predictions from twenty twenty, from uh, top industry leaders. I think that we will see a move from Apple in this next year. They are in the midst of a full transition to a services focused company as they've matured and you know sit now astride the tech industry. They are looking ahead into AR, but that's still a couple of years down the road. And I think that 
podcasting is the one area of their business that is already well-established but not tapped yet as a source of revenue at all for them. And whether that takes the form of micropayments, which has been suggested by many people, but James Cridlin mentions it in his uh, predictions, or whether it uh, just takes the form of a subscription service and premium content, um, you know, who knows? But I do know that they've had a big success with the launch of Apple Arcade. They have had a much smaller success, sort of a, a not a flop, but a, a little bit of a dud with Apple News Plus. And then Apple TV has been lukewarm, but growing and well exceeding, I think, their original expectations as far as like uptick and general positivity on the, the content too. So what's the next step for them? I think podcast has just got to be it. I don't know what their move is going to be, but I think it comes early in the year, honestly, not late. Uh, did you want to talk about my uh, podcast business journal outlook for 2020? Uh, yes. Because I, I, I have a fair feeling that by the time people hear this episode, it will have been published. So um, it is both a look back at 2019 and a look forward to 2020. And one of the questions was, how would you summarize podcasting in 2019? My answer uh, was big, pretty simple. Big companies getting more and more involved with a growing space. And spoiler alert, bigger will be the summary of 2020. There's just no stopping the growth right now of podcasting. It's a snowball that's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. What surprised me the most about 2019, I immediately, when I read the question, I immediately thought of that one video that you released when we first started doing the podcast. And my response to you as you turned on the camera was, holy bleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gimlet sold so soon in their existence. I mean, honestly, it's a great story. Congratulations to them. They got everything that they deserved. But in relative terms, Gimlet is just a baby, a baby Yoda, but that's still a baby nonetheless. Uh, and when you listen back to the story of how everything went down between Spotify and Gimlet on Startup, which you can still listen to, that's the beauty of a podcast, go back and listen to it. I highly recommend it. It really is eye-opening or ear-opening, depending on what you think is more appropriate, to hear the self-doubt from a company like Gimlet that many look to as having a lot of the answers in this space. And and I think that is something that that surprised the heck out of me was both the self-doubt that the Gimlet owners had in their company and the fact that they were able to sell so soon in their existence. Because really, Gimlet's only been around for, what, three, four years? I mean, that is literally a baby. Yeah, I mean, at, at most four, I think. I, it, we could go back and do the math, but I think I think it was four years from launch to purchase. You know, that's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, but on par with companies like Instagram, right? Before they got scooped up by Facebook. I mean, this is sort of the thing that happens in the tech industry. We don't think of ourselves as playing in the tech industry necessarily, but here we are. The tech industry is playing with us, whether we're playing with them or not. I don't know if I necessarily worded my answer to this question the best. What disappointed you the most? And my response was that the bigger companies getting involved in the podcasting space think they have all the answers. Now, the OGs of podcasting don't have all the answers either. So really, my disappointment lies in the fact that there is a communication gap between 
the new bigger companies coming in and the OGs of the podcasting space, that there isn't a meeting of the minds there. I think that's a better way of describing what I was trying to describe in that particular instance. But really, those bigger companies have to be careful because there is a reason podcasting exists in the first place, and it starts with Adam Curry, the podfather, who will tell you himself that he just wanted to create a show where no one could tell him what to do and could stick it to the man. That was why podcasting was created in the first place. So if the man has all of a sudden decided, oh, there's a great revenue opportunity in podcasting, they've got to understand that they got to stick it to themselves. Embrace sticking it to yourself and you will find that you will have the most success in this space. If you come in as the man and you continue to believe that you're the man and you don't integrate yourself with this community, that's where you're going to find you have a lot of problems. Just go ask Luminary. The most overused phrase in 2019, mine was discoverability problem. There's no discoverability problem in podcasting. There's a discoverability problem for your podcast. And I still see it being used. I saw a very large company note in their end of the year report that the discoverability problem in podcasting needs to be fixed. And I... I just shake my head every time I hear it because there isn't a discoverability problem. Uh, and what three things do I expect to happen in 2020? Uh, more podcasts, more consolidation, and more ads. I spoiled it before. <laughs> 2020 is just bigger. Everything, everything that happened in 2019 is going to happen just at a bigger scale in 2020. Um, other questions I was asked, uh, what will subscription models survive the long haul? As and I've said this before, as one part of a diverse revenue strategy, absolutely. As the sole part of revenue generation, no. Uh, yeah, we're, we're not becoming satellite radio. That's yeah. not going to happen. There's just, <laughs> when you're already paying 10 bucks a month for one streaming service and another 10 for one and another 10 for one, there's only 10, only so many $10 bills in my pocket that can go around. Uh, and there's a lot of free podcasts that I can listen to on any given topic. So as a sole revenue source of generation, no, it can't survive. Uh, and what will advertisers think of podcasts over the next one to three years? Uh, why didn't we do this sooner? We left so much money on the table. Uh, and that's honestly, that's, I mean, I don't understand why they're being so slow in getting involved in the space. There's only so much proof that we can continue to show based on what the direct response advertisers are seeing in the success of their models and how they're eating the lunch of the brand advertisers. That's what that's what I don't get. What I don't get, Joel, is these big brand name advertisers are watching these smaller startup companies using podcasting in particular to really grow their 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 sales base and eating the brand brand advertisers lunch. And the brand advertiser, um, that, that's so small. Podcasting doesn't reach, you know, as many people as radio and television. Yeah, but you're losing money and people are leaving those platforms more and more quickly. You better jump in now because it's only going to be a matter of time before the big brand name advertiser is actually that little startup that just ate your lunch. Well, I, I don't have... Um 
I don't have an article to back this up on. I don't have a link to share, but I remember reading a blog post a few years ago about the the arrival or or uh, arising of new brands with a new medium. For instance, they talk specifically about how with the launch of radio, there were several you know um, new companies that came into markets that were already well established and really disrupted and ended up becoming the established brand. Same thing happened with television, and it was because there were young companies that hadn't established themselves that didn't have a a um, you know way of doing business, and they saw an opportunity, so they reached for it, and the standard in the market or or their competitor got left behind because by the time they caught up and started advertising too, that audience was already spoken for as far as brand recognition in that market. You know, they knew what cigarettes they liked, you know, what cola they drank or laundry detergent they used, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, Gillette's Gillette supports my favorite football team uh, to, you know, the name of the stadium of my favorite football team is Gillette stadium. Uh, Harry's Razors and Dollar Shave Club are humongous now in in men's grooming, and it's only getting bigger for them as they continue to sell their you know their memberships through podcasting. I I saw and it, maybe it's been there for a while. I just noticed it finally, but I saw the other day Harry's stuff in Walmart. They're now selling it in retail, in major retail. You know, I mean, if you you get in Walmart, that's thousands and thousands of store locations across the country that you're likely being stocked in. That, I mean, that's a major brand now. That's every bit as big as a Bic or a Gillette at this point. Jay, I want to make one prediction, if I can, about uh, 2020, and no. it's um, it, it's a it, it's a, thank you. It's a um, it's actually a story that you and I talked about on Facebook. We had a little disagreement the other day about this, but I want to oh go boy. to a different link for it. Joel, um, you ignorant six slut. colors. <laughs> Indeed, uh, six colors. Jason Snell wrote an article about this, and that's the article that I'm going to link because I feel like he does a great job of explaining this. Uh, I got to put it in the show notes here. Um, the The question was: there were dual announcements that came out. Uh, both Spotify and Apple Podcasts announced that they were available now through Amazon Alexa devices um, as a native app. You know, you can tell her to play something on Apple Podcasts and it will work now. Um, the show note, the link for the Jason Snell article is in the show notes. Apple Podcasts now on uh, Amazon devices. Um so your reaction to this, and, and so again, it's not just Apple Podcasts, it's Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Both of them now work on Amazon devices for podcasting. Your reaction to this was blasé. Hey, this has been available. Why is this special? And why why don't you feel that it adds anything, Jay? I want you I want to let your voice be heard here first. Well, um there's a couple of things. One, by the way, if you include the insideradio.com link, uh it actually turns out that Amazon <laughs> Uh, did this with not only Apple and Spotify, but also iHeartRadio and Pandora. Essentially, they created a preferred podcast setting, which is why Apple and Spotify made a big deal about this. Um, mm. the, the point is, is, is Apple, uh, the Amazon devices already played podcasts. All you had to do was ask, ask Alexa, Alexa, please play Always Listening. And she would. 
she would pull it automatically from TuneIn. That was that's her default. She goes to TuneIn. Now, if your podcast's not on TuneIn, um, then she wasn't going to play your podcast. There were other third party apps uh, such as Spreaker uh, and others that had created skills that you could also do this with. Um, I, I don't know any others other than Spreaker off the top of my head, but there were there there are plenty others that you could install the skill on on the Lexi and tell her to to utilize that skill and then play said podcast. So the fact that Apple and Spotify are now able to do this, I don't think it increases at all because all you all you've done is you've installed another step for people to do on their Amazon devices to get to the podcasts. And usually when you install another step, it doesn't increase listening. It actually doesn't do anything. Just stalls. So let me, and you would be right normally, I think. And generally I would agree with you. Here's why I feel like this is different. The, The difference is you've got two groups of people that I think we've shown uh, have a lot of overlap, but have not been using this overlap. We've got podcast listeners, the the most rabid podcast listeners. What we know about them demographically suggests that many of them have multiple uh, smart speakers within their home. And yet, the statistics say that nobody is listening to podcasts on smart speakers. Now, we've talked about one of the reasons this is true in the past. I haven't listened to many podcasts on a smart speaker ever in my life because most of the podcasts I listen to, I'm listening to myself. There are other people in my home, or maybe it's uh, uh, you know bad language or something, and I don't want my children to hear it, or it's just a topic that they're not interested in, or my wife doesn't care, she's watching something else, et cetera, et cetera. So we're listening with earbuds most of the time. However, the other hurdle is the fact that my Amazon device doesn't know which episode or which shows that I tend to listen to. There's no, there has been in the past no connection to my podcast listening for the Amazon device. And since I'm not interested at all in using the iHeart app, and and even if I did use the iHeart app, it didn't sync your playback across devices. If you would listen in the iHeart app on your phone on a regular basis and then use uh, the iHeart directory through Amazon, that wasn't happening. Th- those weren't connecting. Now. All you have to do is log in in the Alexa app to your uh, Apple credentials. You log into your Apple account and your Apple ID, and it will instantly connect. So, for instance, when I tell it to play our show, she doesn't just play it generically. She plays the episode. For instance, I had most recently listened to an episode from a full year ago. I was listening to one of the first episodes that we did about the Gimlet purchase. And when I told her to play Always Listening, she started that episode. Not just started that episode, but where I was in the Apple Podcasts app. And when I stopped it on Amazon and started playback again on my phone, it picked up where Amazon had left off. That is powerful. Now, it's still not a real answer for me because I don't use Apple Podcasts as my primary listening and I don't use 
Spotify as my primary podcast listening app, I use Overcast. Marco Arment has talked about, is it worth it in any way for him to build a web component for Amazon? He still says today it's not, but it's getting closer and closer, and he's getting a ton of requests about it now. And if he ever did, I think I actually would listen, especially in my office. Like here, it would be much easier to just say aloud for her to turn it on and for me to listen instead of like having to use the speaker from my iPhone or the speaker from my iPad, especially if I'm using my iPad to process audio or something and I want to listen to a little bit of something while I'm doing that. The Amazon devices are super useful for that. And if the playback was synced, if the episode listings and the show listings, et cetera, were synced, I think I would use it more. I, I really do feel confident, and I feel like that's what we're going to see here. I don't think these are new listeners like Spotify listeners, right? There's people who are listening to podcasts on Spotify generally, we feel, are new listeners to podcasts, period. There aren't a whole lot of people moving over from Apple to Spotify. That's what the numbers seem to show. I think that's going to be opposite here. I think we're going to see the statistics on speakers, smart speakers, especially Amazon devices, tick up. But I don't think those numbers are going to be new. I think it's going to be people transferring some of their listening from their tablets, from their smartphones, to their Amazon devices. I'm, I'm, uh, I have to see it to believe it because I don't, I don't necessarily believe that that will be the case. Now, the one thing that I did, uh, sort of take a step back from is for people who only believe podcasts are on Apple or Spotify and didn't know that podcasts were available before on their Alexa device. This does give them now a reason to listen on their smart speaker because, uh, oh, I only listen to podcasts on Apple, so that's the only way that I can listen to a podcast, and Apple's now available on Lexi, so I can set her up. Uh, I can see that as being something that can help sort of more smart speaker listening but ultimately again you know the other you know what else was a big disappointment for me in 2019 joel is when pod podcaster on podcaster crime don't in a facebook group say you sound like a podcaster who only talks to podcasters dude you don't know who i am like don't give me that <sighs> that that but, sort of stuff drives think me about crazy. it though for the for these people we just talked about, we think a lot of those Spotify listeners were not podcast listeners before. Now they can hear podcasts on their Alexa. They didn't even know that was a thing, right? Until Spotify showed it to them. Now Spotify is going to be telling them, "Hey, play us on your uh, Amazon devices as well." That's going to matter. It's going to move the it's going to move the meter. It really is. And the syncing of uh, progress is a big step too. not having to li listen to Jason Snell, the way that he does it. This is what I do. When I play it from a speaker in the past, I've generally done airplay. I connect my, my phone and I say, Hey, play to my Bluetooth speaker or whatever. Well, now I don't have to do that. That, or at least that's the goal here. The other thing is I'll say, you don't really have to install anything to make this happen. What you can do is you can just tell her to play a show on Apple podcasts or play a show on Spotify. And that will enable the uh, skill for your account. 
At that point, you can go into the app on your phone and you can choose under default services, just like you can specify, hey, I use Spotify for music instead of Amazon music, or I use Apple music for music instead of Amazon music. You can specify, don't give me iHeartRadio, don't give me Spotify, give me Apple Podcasts. When I ask for a podcast, play it through Apple Podcasts. You can specify that in the app. So it's a one-step process to start it but then to make it the default it's it's one more step in the app and then you don't have to add the extra in apple podcasts from then on it just does it automatically it's really really cool the other thing that i'll point out is there are many shows that for whatever reason whether it's the metadata that apple has or the actual more full directory there were shows that i couldn't find on amazon before that now play just fine because i've connected it to apple podcasts i had two or three examples of that i'll also say though i've got a couple of clients with strangely named shows who i still can't get her to play uh there there's a couple of one in particular that i'll mention i've got a i've got a client uh, that does a show called wt feminine and she doesn't know what to do with that. I, I can't I can't get her to play that show for the life of me. Yeah. Uh next fan up is is very difficult unless you really enunciate fan. Uh yeah. Lexi Lexi's not a big fan of that either. Uh which is a shame. By the way, the good folks at Inside Radio have given you the instructions on how you can do this for yourself. To just set up the podcast listening with Alexa, it's three steps. Uh however to set her up as your default podcast service and play something without saying on Apple Podcasts or on iHeartRadio each time, it's eight steps. I just don't see the it's, average it's person. Not, the, I just don't again, see the average person taking eight steps. I just don't. But it, I'm, I'm telling you, first of all, if you have an Amazon device and you're a heavy podcast listener, you're not the average person, Jay. So like, we're not talking about your mom. Right, like your mom's not so going to do think, this. My so mom's you, not going to do right, this. So, so your argument is that the heavy podcast listeners will increase this three percent of smart speaker owners listening to podcasts on device. I but do. We, I think but that's going to go up. Not, I'm not. We should not expect average podcast listeners to increase that particular number. Not in the short term, but it's a chicken and the egg thing. I think because mm. by if we do more smart speaker listening, we will inherently expose more people to the concept of listening to podcasts. One of the reasons why it spreads so slowly, I think, is because we do all of our listening insularly. We, we do it all isolated. We put you know headphones in our ear and nobody knows what we're listening to, whether it's the latest Jay-Z album or the latest you know This American Life. This will be an opportunity for people to wander in and go, what are you listening to? What is this? Amazon, pause. Perhaps. Oh, this is my favorite podcast. Do you want to sh- do you want to listen? You want me to start it over? I'll back up. Perhaps. Perhaps. And then all of a sudden Perhaps. we have these interactions. I think it's going to be a good thing, man. I really do. I That's go back. Big, I don't know what the number is, but I would not be surprised if that doubles, which would still not be huge, right? No, but if we go to say 3% to 6% of listeners or 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 7 or 8% of listeners, I think that's something, and I think it's the kind of thing that this will bring. This is what we were waiting for. I know you. It's so I small. hear your reservation, but syncing of directories and syncing of progress is what we were waiting for. That's what we were waiting for. We want these devices to be easy to hand off to. James Cridlin makes a good point, too. That this is the first time Apple has made uh, something for a third party. Uh, so perhaps this will lead to Apple creating 
the Apple Podcast app for Google devices. That, well, they're darn sure going to do it if they end up charging for Apple Podcasts in some way, aren't they? Yeah, There's that, no way they're going to shut off the Google market. Yeah, so that 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 could be another indication. That could be another little baby step towards a much bigger step, uh, a much bigger picture in that particular case. But again, I will go back to our predictions that we were talking about before. It's Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, Twitter. I don't see smart speakers being a ginormous increase in terms of our hockey stick growth of new listeners. It's just, we're just not there. For whatever reason, there's an embracing of smart speakers, but not an embracing of smart speakers for podcasts. Maybe not. Maybe not. We we shall see. We shall see. There are my thoughts on it, though. Uh, and the link is in the show notes for you to develop your own opinion on it. Or I should say the links. There's a couple of them there for you. Um, Jay, let's wrap up this week. Tell everybody where they can find you, especially if they're a college sports podcaster looking for uh, some help in the new year. Lots of good people have reached out to me, and I've talked to a lot of them. And some of them have actually become hosts on the Locked On podcast network so if you are a college sports podcaster in particular uh we are looking for you and there's some other there are some professional sports teams too that we're looking for hosts for as well if you uh if you go to lockedonpodcast.com and you don't see a podcast covering your favorite team or you see that your favorite team has sort of been lacking in terms of coverage then uh, reach out to me podvader at lockedonpodcast.com and i would certainly entertain that conversation we do have a lot especially though in the college sports forum so we're looking for college sports podcasters in particular but there are, might be some other opportunities there too uh, and you can find me at propodcastingservices.com. That's my website. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Rogues Life or my professional Twitter at podcasting underscore pro if you want to avoid the NBA talk and, uh, and politics chat. <laughs> um, until the next time we talk to you. Oh, by the way, let me give you a I was going to say, yeah, should yeah. we tease? So yeah. our next episode, our next episode. First of all, I know that there are some of you, <coughs> Corey Finneran, <coughs> who doesn't have any interest in Star Wars and so generally is a little blasé about our Corey uh, detours no into uh, Mandalorian talk, for instance. However, next week... I say next week, sometime in the next week and a half or so, you and I are going to see The Rise of Skywalker, the final entry into the Skywalker saga of of the Star Wars story. Uh, story. And uh, after we see it, we're desperately going to want to talk about it. So what we're going to do is uh, you and I are going to have a whole episode just about that. Probably not an hour. We're going to talk at least 30 minutes or so. Oh, we're it'll be. Are ourselves. you joking? Who are probably you joking? It's probably going to be an hour. It's probably going to be an hour. Uh, but the point is, that's all that'll be. We're just going to have one whole episode about The Rise of Skywalker. So that way, if you want to skip it entirely, if you're not interested in Star Wars at all, or if you need to put it off because you haven't seen the film yet, that'll be that'll be good for you too. Depending upon when we're able to record it, I think we'll probably end up recording that before the final episode of The Mandalorian. So we may have... I'm guessing a, there's going to be Mandalorian chat in there as well. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely going to be it's some be Mandalorian spoiler, chat in there because there's got to be crossover film. of some sort. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's why there's an episode on the Wednesday before the release of the movie. Yes, there. exactly, exactly. <laughs> so very exciting times if you're a Star Wars fan uh, or even if you're not. You know, it's just one of those like cultural moments. We don't have – we've got the Super Bowl – 
you know, is like one thing that everybody does together. I still feel like Star Wars is sort of that. The Avengers movies have become that. Everybody goes and sees the Avengers movie, right? This is one of those things where even if you're not a huge sci-fi geek, get on board. Enjoy it. Be part of pop culture, right? I, I have a new podcast, Joel. Uh, I'm I'm going to watch the entire the entirety of the Star Wars collective, including cartoons, TV shows, what have you, with Corey Finneran. We are going to sit down and we are going to watch it all. Yeah, I'm, I love I, it. If I have to tape his eyes open like Clockwork Orange, this is yeah, going to Clockwork happen. Orange style exactly. This is uh, going to happen. It will be infused in his blood. There's no, there's no way. After you watch all of it, that you can that that you can so cavalierly just, psh, I have no time for this Star Wars thing. <laughs> no. Indeed, no, indeed, it's happening. It's happening. Um. All right. So that's happening, and uh, we'll be back with that soon. Until we are, we've been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, and perhaps I should do this to my wife too, because she also hasn't really watched a lot of the Star Wars. So dismissive. Queen of it. Padme hasn't yeah. watched the Star Wars. Yeah, this is uh, this is probably this is this is definitely troublesome. Princess Avalea has uh, has also spurned the Star Wars. Although she has watched it, she has spurned it. It's very disappointing. Very disappointing so to women in my life. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn.
Two Guys and a Rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.